Welcome to another wacky episode of the You Know Show. We are two geeks who talk about everything. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined by my cousin and co-host, Landon. Good day. Good day, everyone. What is up, man? How's how's life? Good. I've been traveling. I've been at trade shows where I walk around and meet really cool people that make really cool things and try to tell them that they should use my things to sell their things. How's that work for you? Good. Good. It's fun. Walking and talking, man. But it is exhausting. Two things I I don't like to do. I don't like to walk or talk. (laughs) I think I logged. I think I logged about 76 hours this past week. When you, you know, do those trade shows, do you count your steps? Like, do you have a step counter on your phone or on like your? Do you have a, a watch? No, that counts no, people? I stopped. I stopped doing the uh, Fitbit. I, I had it, but for the large majority of my life and time, the Fitbit is not happy with me, um, or the Apple Watch. It's it's almost like it's condescending. It's not really saying it, but it's implying it. You know what I mean? Just yeah, like, my my judge. phone constantly tells me, "Hey, you haven't quite finished that ring yet. You yeah. want to complete that?" It's like time Dude, to stop get judging up. me. Time to get up. And I'm like, time to shut your face. You know? Sitting is the new smoking. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. I have a new watch right. that my wife got me for my for, for my birthday, for Christmas. And I'm I like this watch is just a watch. It's like good. Do your job. You're doing yeah. it well. That's all that's all I need. I just need a timepiece. That's it. Let's that's let's just, all, let's all just be need. simple again. It's let's pretend like it's the 80s. All right. Yeah. Boom. Give me an into glow thing and let's do it. Plus, I should also clarify that I also have friends who work out for me, so I don't have to. That's good. Okay. Live vicariously through others. That's that's I good. Do. That's right. Today, we are diving into the 1994 comedy Greedy, directed by Jonathan mm. Lynn. This movie has an impressive ensemble cast, including Michael J. Fox, Kirk Douglas, Nancy Travis, and Phil Hartman, among many, many others. Landon, you have claimed that this is your favorite movie. So it is. I would like to hear your initial thoughts. Well, I'm trying to think of when we first saw this movie, because I don't know that we watched it together, did we, for the first time that I saw it? I don't no, think so. I, I can't no, remember, I, but but somehow this movie became very important to our adolescence. It did. And we watched it many times and quoted it repeatedly. Yes, it was it, hilarious. So it's got a, a great cast. First of all, you've got you know Michael J. Fox in it. You've got Kirk Douglas. Well, you're going to go through all the people who are in it. But it's it's got a lot of great, funny people, especially Phil Hartman. Um, and all of these people coming together in one setting and bant the banter off of one another. It is one of the most quotable movies. Um, that and, say, Liar Liar, for example. I mean, just an extremely quotable movie. I'm pretty sure that you and I could literally like go start to finish without pause and quote the entire Between movie. The two of us, I'm sure we could do it. Yeah. We've gotten through a good, you know, at least 15, 20 minutes of dialogue. We've been around the Christmas table, if I recall. I mean, gravy. Mm. Yeah. So I, don't know, I don't know when the first time I watched this was. I don't remember if it was by myself or if it was with you. It, it may very well have been with you. Um, it could have been full funny. cardboard corners. Folding cardboard corners may very well have been, yeah, sitting in your basement, yeah. Um, <laughs> man, the it's it's so funny, like it, like you said, it's very quotable, um, and and have no problem quoting it often, not just with you, but just some random conversation, and people don't understand what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's funny going back and watching it as an adult now. I wonder if if the part of the reason we thought it was so funny was because of all the swearing in the movie. 
<laughs> there is a lot of uh, pretty bad language when it comes down to. It. I mean, it's not like f bombs all over. It's not a it's not a Scorsese movie or anything like that. But right. but there's there is a lot of cussing, and uh, so I wonder if that kind of tickled us as two young conservative teenagers. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's very quotable. It's funny when this when it was released. Yeah, excuse me, I was doing some research on it. Yeah, you know, before before we got yeah. on here. Uh, when it was initially released, it was promoted pretty heavily, but it didn't really make much of a splash at the box office. Uh, and critically, it is not um, – it's it's got a rotten score on Rotten Tomatoes. Roger Ebert, let me quote this. He, he said – because I think the quote's actually kind of funny. Uh, the movie has a promising first act and then makes the mistake of taking its silly story seriously with dreadful results. The last two thirds of this movie plays out like a sitcom without the laugh track or the laughs. That's hurtful. That's that's a, that's a little hurtful. I Ebert? mean, can you just not say thumbs down and be done with it? Ebert, that's just it's just rude. Just rude. It's mm. pretty funny. I mean, but I mean, he's he's not entirely wrong. It is a lot like a sitcom because think about uh, most of the most of the actors that are in this movie, other than you know. You've got Hollywood legend Kirk Douglas and Michael J. Fox is, you know, at this point has become a pretty bankable box office star. Um, but for the most part, the cast is you think about them, they're mostly TV actors, right? Here's the thing. Yes, that's true. But think about the movie Tommy Boy. Think about how Tommy Boy starts off and it's just very like it's it is very silly. It's got a serious thing that happens at the beginning. But, I mean, really, the majority of the movie is very much, it's it's music, tunes, road rock, you know, they're bantering back and forth. And then as the end comes around, you're wrapping it up with a moral. And this happened. This was, this is the way 90s movies went. You had a funny thing, you know, and I mean, and, and you'd round it out in the end. I don't feel like it was forced. Cable Guy was forced down my throat trying to bring that to a serious. That was one that was silly and then took a really sharp turn into being serious and not a funny way. And so like that's when I what like his his perspective would have been what I would have said a cable guy. Not not greedy. Must have been having a bad day. Maybe. He had bad popcorn at that viewing. Yeah. Uh, so the basic premise fo follows uh this wealthy cranky old man named Joe McTeague. Uh, and he's got these greedy relatives who are all trying to get on his good side so they can inherit his fortune when he passes away. That seems like a perfect setup for some wacky comedy to me. Uh, tell the truth, Landon. Is the plot engaging or is it too predictable? Well, okay. All right. It's pretty predictable. I mean, it's – it. well, I would say the ending was surprising for me. Yeah, there there's, twist, there's a pretty good twist at the end. Pretty good yeah. twist at the end. But um, – I felt like, you know, how the characters were going to react. You were kind of leading up to know that Michael J. Fox was going to, like, become infected a little bit, um, you know, and start to be that way. You you knew Nancy Travis was kind of the moral authority, you know, of the movie. I mean, so, yeah, but plenty. And all the family members acted exactly, uh, except for Frank. He's always been. Sorry. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I said I wouldn't. I said I wouldn't start going. I can't help it. Um, but but seriously, I feel like it was predictable. What about you? Um, 
yeah, it's it's predictable. I mean, you, you've got, I mean, obviously the movie is titled Greedy, so so I mean to to think that you're not going to go into this movie and and find uh, that most of these people are just ridiculous caricatures of human beings who are nothing but you know butt kissing jerks who only want money. They don't really care about Uncle Joe. They just care about his money. He's he's a millionaire, and they they want to get their piece when he dies. So um, so yeah, it's I feel like it's a trope that's uh, probably been done. You know, whether I don't think this is the first time it was it was done on film. I'm sure it's been done yeah. over and over again, and yeah, and it you know not just in in uh, on film but in literature and on the stage. Right. You know, this is the kind of thing that it makes for a good story. You have a, you have this old eccentric person who's got millions of dollars or whatever and and they've got no inherit no heir to inherit it and so you've got people who come around sucking around for the money and, and trying to trying to get it so uh yeah it's it's a classic um so so what if it's a little predictable um yeah i mean it's still you very know. entertaining yeah absolutely yeah it can be predictable that's all right it's all right so long as it makes you laugh the true test is the fact that you can watch this movie or you can it's like watching elf you know, you just, it's just funny. It's just funny to watch some people do certain things over and over again. And seeing Phil Hartman be Phil Hartman's character and being angry, he's so, <laughs> I'm sorry, it just rolls through just, my head. Just, just Phil Hartman being Phil Hartman is. <laughs> oh, who would he be today if he had lived? You know, I mean, my Seriously. gracious, what would comedy be? Oh, I, I hope he wouldn't have been one of those comedians who decided, you know what, I'm going to start doing serious roles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Phil Hartman, you're you're stuck doing Lionel Hutz and uh, Troy McClure and and these characters like you've gotten greedy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to say one of the most memorable parts of the movie for me is uh, Michael J. Fox's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, he always brings like this energy and charisma to his roles, and this is this is even after after a couple of years. He had already been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Right. Um, I don't think I knew that. It wasn't public yet at this point. Right. Um, But, you know, he knew and he was struggling with it already. Um, How do you think he did playing Danny, the long lost nephew brought back into the fold? That was good. You know, it's it's really hard when you have these um, certain movies that just kind of stand out as to who he is, whether or, or the show, you know, like Family Ties or. And Back to the Future, like you just see that person that way. I thought it was pretty impressive how he was able to not be that person. You know, um, I didn't see him in any semblance to either character. Um, yeah, at all. yeah. And so yeah, he was. Um, he there was no way he was. He was not a Marty McFly in this one. He was a completely different. He was very sarcastic, very uh, kind of acerbic. I guess would be the right word. He had. Um, pretty much spent you you saw him as someone who was struggling you saw that he had struggles with the money comparison of what um nancy travis did with her career and her money they set that up well and then it's just you know he he makes this transition fairly well i think of going from a person who's like you know i've got standards they're not gonna be like them and then he he becomes that little by little of course that's also playing off the play playing off the amazing kirk douglas you know what i mean who who did his part very well. Um, and he just really had to just sit down and be himself. I mean, he, you know, I mean, I guess I would say he had the easiest role because everything grabbed around, around him. And I don't, 
know he, him or I've seen his his interviews, but I would just imagine that is exactly how Kirk Douglas is real life. You yeah, know, this uh, cranky old guy. Yeah. You this look actually, thrilled. <laughs> this was actually his uh, his last big role uh, before he had uh, he had a pretty massive stroke in 1996 that uh, that changed anything. Like I know he did some other things. Yeah. Post, you know, after after he had his stroke. He did that um, movie with with his son and uh, his grandson. Yeah, you know? that's right. I think that wasn't that his last movie. I think that yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but it may have been. Um, but yeah, as as Uncle Joe, like he he did a great job as this, you know, manipulative, kind of you know, cantankerous old man who he's you know at the end of the day he's pulling some pretty shady stuff on his family. Yeah. And uh you know most of them deserve it yeah. Yeah. But uh but you know there's you you've got Michael J Fox or um Danny this character coming in after all these years apart and uh you know he is he has spent so much time away from his family because in you know as part of the story his father saw the greed that was going on within the family and decided right. to remove their little totally. branch of the family tree. Right and, and not be a part of it because they could have been sucked in very easily, which is what happens when Danny returns. He is very easily sucked back into that world where, right. you know, it's he's he's got to have it. Even though, like at the very beginning, we see he has his morals, he has his standards. You know, he he makes it known that uh, that money is a struggle for him, and that like yeah. he's got an investment opportunity. He doesn't have the money for it. And he mentions it to, to Uncle Joe, and and Joe says he'll give it to him, but he says he's only going to give it to him if he goes and tells his father that uh, he came to Joe asking for money and that yeah. he needs what Joe has more than he needs what his dad has. And that's 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 really messed up. Well, I I think it was a test, actually. I, I still think it was, it was. a test. It was. You know, it's it's not it's not that he really, really wanted him to do that. Um, I, I think it's interesting, though. There are some things that are not mistakes, but like, you know, we're, we're corny or cheesy. Like when Michael J. Fox has the actor pretend to be his father and he looks just nothing like the other actor at all in any way, shape or form. He looks like the actual his actual dad. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you, you really could have done better with that. Now, it could have been confusing to the audience. And I probably can see how someone who is doing a casting directing or like the director's like, yeah, we can't make them too similar, but I'm still just like, y'all come on. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's been like 20 years or 30 years or whatever still. Yeah. You know, you know what people look like. <laughs> I mean, you know, they look completely different. You know, yeah. they talk completely different. You know, I would have gotten like, you know, Riker from, uh, from, you know, the, 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 with the beard from uh start from next generation before I would have gotten somebody else. Uh, yeah. It looked kind of like uh Kenny Rogers to me. He did. <laughs> uh let's talk about the movie's director, Jonathan Lynn, for a minute. This is the same guy who directed Clue back in 1985. Later <laughs> he would bring us uh the dark comedy The Whole Nine Yards, which is one of my personal favorites. Yeah. Did you realize he also plays the butler Douglas in this movie? <gasps> no. You didn't really? know that. All no. these years, the director is uh, is Douglas the Butler. Yeah, <laughs> he can go dance the Holy Gully for all I care. That's right. Wow. That's he was cool. also he was also the uh, he'd also worked with um, Nancy Travis before. Did you ever see uh, Three Men and a Little Lady? 
Of course, a requirement in our household. He's the uh, the minister who's supposed oh, to that's marry. Right. That's right. Uh, her and uh, the douchebag that she was supposed to marry. Yeah. Right. 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 So wow. he's had. A I didn't know career. he directed Clue and the Whole Nine Yards. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah, he's he's sense. got a pretty good pretty good uh, repertoire there. Uh, check out some He's just kind of. I think he is. I think he is. Yeah. But he's he's getting up there. I'm sure. Uh, so while Greedy didn't get amazing reviews, we already covered that, it has seemed to stick around in pop culture a bit. So, like, the over-the-top greedy relatives become, uh, kind of a trope, like we've said before. It's probably been referenced and parodied. Um, the wacky ensemble cast is what really makes it memorable on this. So, do you think that Greedy deserves more appreciation than it got when it was originally released? Oh, 100%. 100%. I am surprised, though, at how many people do not know about this movie. Oh, yeah. It flies right under the radar. It really really does. And I I even bring it – like, I'll bring it up to people, and they're just like, no, I've never seen that. I'm like, Phil Hartman. I'm like, what? What? You know, I just want to have, like, a showing. Like, I want to bring and gather all the people I know and be like, you have missed something. Not only have you missed something in our culture, but you've missed a piece of me. And this might explain things for you as to why I make the type of jokes that I do. This movie will do it, you know. Oh, uh, I, I'm I'm picturing like a uh, inside the actor's studio kind of moment with with the guy like being in 1994. A film was released that was so impressive. There is not a word to describe it. And I'm forced to make one up, and I will do so right now. Scrumtralescent. Greedy is a scrumtralescent movie. I don't think you're doing Lipton. I think you're actually doing Will Ferrell. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah. Uh, it's just that's how it goes. Like I don't actually do a Harry Carey impression. I do Will Ferrell <laughs> as Harry Carey. <laughs> right, so, um, so that's given us a lot to dig into about this zany inheritance comedy. But now. Now it's time to get into the nitty-gritty. Release the hounds. Release the kraken, if you will. What are some of your favorite lines and favorite scenes? <laughs> Remember, we only have about 10 more minutes left in this podcast. I like presents, especially from people who love me. Who'd that be? <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. I <laughs> And what about, uh, what about you? Throw one out there. Okay, okay, okay. So many, so many. I think I know um, what you're gonna do. <laughs> you that the whole scene that we, where we first meet the entire family, yeah, and they're all sitting around the the table. That entire scene is just comedic <laughs> gold, where they're going back and forth and trying to expose each other for all the horrible things that they've done in the past few months, and like everybody's got private investigators checking each other out it's like this constant oh this bombardment of of bad news and and hold on, like hold on one second hold on one second before you say anything okay so here's what i'm going to do i'm writing down the thing that i think you're going to say because it's the, it's the thing that comes to mind whenever i think about this movie that you would say all right, now go ahead, say it. I can't say it. If if I'm thinking what, if you're thinking what I'm think you're thinking I'm thinking, that didn't make any sense. 
there's a word that I can't say anymore that is is considered inappropriate. Just start, just start, start it, and don't go that far. Okay. You've got Phil Hartman's teenage son sitting at the big kids table, right, with the rest of the adults. Oh yeah. And this is this is this is how the dinner scene begins. Everyone's sitting quietly having dinner, and then Dennis, Dennis, the teenage son, starts going. Aaron's making fart sounds, by the way, since the Zoom. Oh will yeah, allow Zoom, Zoom takes that out. He starts making fart noises with his mouth, right? Which is funny in itself to a teenage kid, because farts are always funny. But it's just loud, you know. It's just it's just loud at the table, and everybody's just looking over, right? So, so Phil Hartman, um, what was his character's name? Help me out. Why did I Frank. forget that? Frank. Thank you, Frank. Frank's Frank, always been a. Frank looks over at his obnoxious teenage son, and says, "Dennis, why don't you go sit at the kids' table?" <laughs> and then Dennis. Ladies and gentlemen, I just showed on the screen <laughs> the very words that my cousin just said. Boom! <laughs> Why don't you go sit at the kids' table? And, and then make- Dennis, straight face, looks at his dad and says, make me. <laughs> Frank kind of he kind of smiles and, and nods and then gets up and grabs the kid and forces him back into the kids' table. And he's a table. big kid. He's he not is like a, big a small kid. kid. He is like a big kid. And he just grabs him and throws him over at the kids table and it like wait one of the little girls at the kids table did you realize is kirsten dunst oh yeah i did notice that the last time i watched it i watched yeah. it before christmas yeah, yeah yeah i did that was crazy but yes he, he throws him over the table and he says we won't do the full line i'll, I'll paraphrase but he says what's the matter with you are you crazy or stupid but he says something else and then dennis says not according to the tests <laughs> and he does another fart sound. The fart noise Phil again. Grabs him again and knocks all over the, the milk all over the table. And then he I walks over. Uncle Joe, he didn't want you to get sick. <laughs> Ed, girls knocked over. What some- girls knocked over some milk. <laughs> I love how each of them have like different. They have their own little worlds. Like obviously, uh, Nora and um, and what what's the dad's name? What's the uh, Oh, what's his name? Ed Begley. Carl. Carl. Nora and Carl have their own perfect family story. You know, four kids. Um, uh, Ed and um, and the sister. Uh, what's her name? Not, not Glenn. The this Glenn and Muriel. You have Ed and oh, whatever his wife. Cam's character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they have like their kids, and they have all girls, and it's just like there's nobody to pass along the line. Whereas Carl and his wife have two boys, so it's just like and they're both named Joe. Both the kids are Joe, 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 little Joe, and little, and little Joe in the away. oven. <laughs> Joe, <laughs> oh, she's man. pregnant with their third son. Uh, my, one uh, of my favorite scenes when they meet each other because they think that that he's died, and they come up, and the sister comes up. She's like, "Did he?" You know, they're like, yes. And he left everything to you, sis. You know, he's like, no, it was, it was the doctor. <laughs> and then and then they talked about, he's, he's like, you know, we got Joe and Joe. She's like, yeah, that's right. We weren't, you know, cynical and cold-blooded enough to take 
Ed Sperman put it in centrifuge and spin around all the X's and Y's. There's a line we won't sing to. Jolene, Josette, come along, girls. <laughs> I love that line. It's so good. That that whole beginning, like seriously, with with the family together and then going back and forth, that like the whole thing is is just nuts. And then you introduce Olivia Dabo's character. Oh my gosh, who from Wonder Years? Yeah, yeah, the oh. older sister from Wonder Years. No. Uh, who oh. knew she was like a hottie? She was um, a hottie, but she's okay. she comes in there, and it turns out she is some random chick that he hired as a nurse. She's not a nurse. There's no. She's no nurse. She came here uh, to open the pizza, but. <laughs> <laughs> now, now of course this you know this is why danny is reintroduced to the family because the family's nervous now yeah, because you've right. got this young beautiful girl living in the house who they assume is having sex with the old man yeah and is going to get, get all of the money. money because you know she made him very happy in the end i mean that's how i'd want to go but who am i yeah. uh every man you know, that's it's just like <laughs> It's it's like the catalyst that brings Danny back into the fold. And and one of the other things, oh, another line that I really love, I can't say it because it involves, yes, another curse word, but uh, when when they send the private investigator to go, like, entice Danny into coming back, he has had a very bad day, okay? He's a professional bowler, and he almost, almost makes it to the live telecast, but then he screws up at the end. Oh, what a That's horrible it. scene. What a horrible, horrible, awful scene when he chokes on that. It really oh. is. It's really he uh he's he's drunk and uh having an argument with Nancy Travis, his girlfriend. Uh and in the midst of that, he he throws a bowling ball out the, out window. the hotel window. And they're up on like the fourth or fifth story. And the ball lands on the hood of the uh, private investigator's car, right? Right. And Nancy Travis looks out the window and says, get a car. You could have killed killed somebody. somebody. Away, eyeball. (laughs) That was good. I love love when she comes in. She goes, (laughs) he goes, goes, who are you? And she's asking, Daniel McTeague? He goes, no way, that's my my name too. (laughs) <laughs> he says, "You're a private detective. Good. Help me find my pants, because <laughs> he he was naked." <laughs> yeah, it's uh oh my gosh. There's just so so many good good lines uh, to this movie. We need to wrap it up. Um, do you have? Give me give me one more. Give me one more good one from from later on in the movie. We've we've been sticking to the first half here with these lines. You know what's what's the I mean. Um, when they're all the couple or the couples, the family is all together in that room and, uh, like they go back to whoever's house it is and they're all sitting there talking and they're trying to deliberate, you know, about what we're going to do. And that's when they bring up the idea of Daniel and trying to get him to come And they're all talking (laughs) and there is a great little banter that happens. And one of the lines is (laughs) Phil Hartman says to his, his wife, Oh, Tina, go lay down, you know? lies down on the carpet (laughs) and then later on the the conversation's still rolling and she's just laying on the carpet yeah yeah 
it's it's not even something like you you would notice unless you're like you just randomly paying attention to the background because she doesn't actively go lay down somewhere. <laughs> she just lays down on the floor. Like, like a couple of cut scenes later, you, you like you said the conversation's still going, and then and then there she is on the floor, flat <laughs> on her back, right where she had been standing. Oh man, there's so. That's that's so funny. Now that whole scene was hilarious. There's a lot of funny lines in that, but they have cuss words. So you know, I, I do like the in that very scene that you're talking about. Uh, thing that the character Ed uh, brings up, he said he you know they're very seriously talking, and and he says that uh, that Uncle Joe is the devil, and you know he draws a line in the sand, and you think, well, that's not too far. I'll I'll cross that line. And then he draws another line and another and another. And before you know it, you look back and you can't see where you started. And he's like, well, let's just all agree to stop now. Right. And they're like, no. Yeah. Come yeah. too far. This is like, you know. No we, one could walk away from that money. We're just Exactly. Kidding. That's what Glenn says. Um, but that's that's the thing is they Daniel just. Daniel did. Dan, yeah, Daniel did. But I, the movie finishes out. Without, without, they were arguing away. about grapes. Yeah, grapes. Those migrant workers were repressed, and grapes and chance on the run rope could screw themselves in Mason Day's window, and Daniel let them have it. <laughs> Just the way Phil Hartman talks. All right, so I don't think we should. There's, there's not enough people in the world who've seen this movie, so I'm not going to ruin how the movie turns out. I don't think we should do that, but I will say that it does have a really cool twist in the end. And it has a good a wholesome ending. Yes. Yeah, that's true. It has a very wholesome ending that uh, that makes you smile and feel good about things and what's really important. So, yeah, I agree. Worth I'm seeing. Sure. I would encourage anyone to see it. And heck, if you're just wondering, you know why, you know Aaron or I act the way that we do. This is a good movie, you know, because our humor is derived from this somewhat banter of humor. So yeah. Good indicator, yeah. Uh, don't listen to Roger Ebert. Listen to us. Uh, Forget about Ebert, loser. Yeah. Hey, dude. Are you? Too soon. Too soon. Uh, all right, that's about all the time we have for today. Uh, this has been a fun overload of comedy and family dysfunction. Uh, we always enjoy geeking out with our listeners about these classic movies, so don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit that bell icon to be notified about new episodes of The You Know Show. And hey, don't be afraid to share your own thoughts about this or any other topic in the comments. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our conversation. Uh, Landon, anything else before we go? No, just uh, enjoy and please, please, please go see the movie Greedy. Watch it. You could stream it or grab it or buy it or rent it or something. I don't know where. It's available somewhere on streaming. Somewhere. It all is somehow. Gotta be. Gotta be. All right. Until next time, have a great whatever it is, wherever you are. Mm -hmm.